Well, it's great to be here in North Austin, and I wanted to say hello to everyone watching overseas or across the United States, all across Austin, especially hello to those of you watching together at our Buda campus, our core team watching in Dripping Springs together. And for those of you in South Austin, I miss you. I want to see you again sometime soon. And just for everyone in the Austin area, you should know that our campuses are actually showing what they're doing each Sunday live on our Facebook groups. But I, I hope you listen to the lyrics of that song and, and maybe you even sang it authentically from your own soul. But it has this beautiful idea that you and I can be a friend with God. It might sound impossible, mysterious, miraculous, but it is possible. A couple weeks ago, I was taking some time of solitude, which is just being alone with God, which can be really difficult when everyone in your family works from home or goes to school from home or is just always at home. And I was listening to the song Communion and just allowing it to, to be what helped me reconnect with God. And I, I knew I just needed to get out of the house. And I wanted to go a little bit further away than just on a walk. So I, I borrowed my daughter's bicycle. She's 18. But the bicycle is still bright yellow and has a big basket on the front of it. But I'm riding the bicycle down, Brody, and I'm sure there are some reports going up on nextdoor.com about the strange bald guy stealing little girls' bicycles. But I was coming around the corner and listening to this song, and I see this hill off in the, in, uh, to the right, and I start gaining speed, and, and I, I go down the hill, and I am going fast. And right then, the lyrics of this song just came on. It was, it was perfect timing. It says... And I don't have to prove a thing. You've already approved of me. Man, in that moment, I just felt so unconditionally loved by God. I just felt so free. And then I came down to the bottom of the hill, and then I walked the bicycle back up the hill, because going uphill is way worse than going down. And then I saw some swings. And I had this thought to go and swing I haven't done that in years, and, and no kids were on the swings, and so I, I walked over, and I, and I did it. It came right back to me. I was swinging. I, I mean, I got high, and it didn't even matter that I'm in a new neighborhood, and people were walking around looking at me and, and wondering who this guy is. And, and all I knew in that moment was just, I felt so alive. I felt like a kid again, without a care in the world. I had this other thought, I should jump. I mean, that was the best part of riding a swing as a kid, right? But then another thought came into my mind. This is supposed to be fun, not foolish, right? <laughs> and some of you are listening to me and you think I'm crazy. Others of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And others of you might be intrigued. Maybe you're new in this walk with God or maybe you're skeptical about all of this. But it is possible to have a relationship with God. I'm not, I'm not talking about religion. Some of us grew up in Texas or in some sort of context where religion was forced on us. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a relationship with the creator of the universe who loves you unconditionally. Let, let me ask you this. If you could connect with God, would you even want to? If the spirit of God 
could reveal himself to you? Would you want to find him? See, the scriptures are filled with this idea. Some of you started reading the the Bible during the pandemic, or maybe you just started reading it at the beginning of this new year. Now, I don't want to ruin the ending for you, but what I do want to tell you is this. The scripture's all about the fact that you and I can have a relationship with God. The Bible points everything towards this idea. And it's important when you come to the scriptures because I know it's an ancient book and it, and it can be confusing at times, but just coming to the scriptures with this open heart and open mind, just praying, God, would you show me who you are and who you want me to be? When we come with that sort of open heart and open mind, the scriptures, scriptures can actually become a portal into God's presence. But all of the scriptures point to this. God walked among us. And his name is Jesus. He lived a perfect life. He taught with authority. He healed those who were sick. He loved and cared for those who were oppressed and outcast. And eventually, he willingly gave his life, dying on the cross for the sins of humanity. But on the third day, he rose from the dead. And he is alive. Everything points towards this moment and flows out of this moment. And see, what happens when you and I decide to follow Jesus, we're surrendering our life to God. Now, many of us who are part of Gateway have have had that experience at some point in our life where we surrendered our life to God, when we began this relationship with God through Jesus. And some of you who are watching might be skeptical of this or even uncertain of this. And I can tell you that many of us, when we decided to follow Jesus, there was a lot of uncertainty. There was still a lot of mystery. The one thing we were certain about is we needed a new life. Things were just not working, going our own way. And maybe that's you. Maybe during this incredibly difficult season, you have found yourself tired of doing your own thing and it not working. You found yourself angry and anxious and exhausted. If that's you, you can start anew today. You can begin a relationship with God right now. In fact, if you've wandered away from God, you can restart that relationship. It's super simple. Our side is just simply responding to God. See, he's done everything that needs to be done for us to be rescued. All we have to do is say, yes, I want to be rescued. If you're here and you're, and you're, you're listening to this and you're wanting to start that relationship, all you have to do is this. Just pray something like this. God, I need you. I want what Jesus did on the cross to count for me. Lead me. And maybe you want to reconnect with God or, again, start for the first time. Just, just repeat these words after me. They're in your home or even here in the room in your own heart. God, I need you. I want what Jesus did on the cross to count for me. Lead me. You see, when you begin this relationship with God, that's actually the beginning of the adventure. Have you ever noticed in romantic comedies that they usually end with a wedding? It's as if the only interesting part of this couple's life is how they met and how they fell in love and made a commitment to each other. But I can tell you from firsthand experience, the wedding is when the adventure begins. 
That's really when the story needs to be told. See, when you first get married, it's a beautiful moment, but what's even more remarkable is the story of the couple who endures hardship, and on the other side of that, they actually stay married. That they endure such challenges that they they actually come to love each other even more later than they did on that wedding day. So remarkable is, is the story of a couple that comes to love each other so much that they They could not be seen by others as ever apart because they so complete each other beautifully. See, that takes a lifetime of investing in your relationship. And the same can be true in our relationship with God. We can continue to grow. See, the the beginning of saying yes to Jesus is only the beginning of the adventure that God has for us. And so many unlikely people have said yes to Jesus and were completely transformed. One of them wrote most of the New Testament. His name was Saul, and he was a zealot, actually mixing religion and politics and power and violence until he met Jesus. And his life was so transformed, he began starting churches all over the Roman world and writing letters to those churches and to those church leaders. And in one of those letters, he writes these words, which could describe what our relationship with God grows to become. Listen to what he says in Philippians chapter 3. I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. I want to know Christ. This could be true of us. We could grow to that kind of devotion, that kind of intimacy with God. See, the problem is some of us have come to closure too soon on who God is or what he might want to do in our life. We need to open our hearts and open our mind. None of us have arrived. There's far more that God has for us. See, in this series, Vintage Faith, we've been walking through this journey of faith that happens over a lifetime, year by year, month by month, day by day. And as we pursue God, which, which includes diving into experiences like this on Sunday and always coming with an open heart, God, show me what you have for me. But not even just coming together in, in a gathering on Sunday, but, but coming together with other followers of Jesus in a group or a class or, or serving with them in a network. But it also means pursuing him on our own, spending time with God. See, in this idea of spiritual growth is incredibly important. Not only do we need to grow deeper in our walk with God because we need more of him in our life, but our family needs us to. Our world needs us to. The world needs us to bring more light and love to the darkness. In a world that's filled with injustice and hatred and discord, Followers of Jesus can bring more light and love, more of heaven to earth. See, this series is designed to help us become all that God's created us to be, and in doing so, we will help bring more of heaven to earth. And so I want to encourage you, if you missed any of the series, go back and listen. They build on each other, and you'll hear the progression. Let me give you a quick overview. We're using this analogy of of a mansion with many dwellings and that God is 
in the middle, and, and he's inviting us closer and closer. And see, new beginnings is when you first choose to follow Jesus. It's like the, the honeymoon in your relationship with God. But then we begin to fail forward. We become more aware of our struggles. And some people at that point give up, but others realize this is actually a good thing because now you're aware of what you need to overcome, and you're learning to walk with God. And then you move into the, the third season, the third dwelling, which is the good disciple. This is where a lot of us might get stuck. At this point, we have a church family. We have a small group. We're serving with others. We might even start spending some time with God on our own. But what happens if we, if we aren't careful, we become disillusioned. See, what happens is God allows us to have a holy discontent because there is more for us than just being a good disciple. And some of us give up at that point or we start to blame other people for what's happening in our journey when in reality, God is allowing this that we might lean into his relationship more, that we might fall in love with him more. And that's the fourth dwelling. Last week, we looked at the fifth dwelling, which is this idea of really growing to have a, a desire to be one with God. It's this idea that we've moved from seeing God as father to seeing him as a friend, but, but now seeing him as a spouse. Now, I know that's an odd idea, but you should know, especially if you're, you're dating or even in love and about to be married, your spouse will never be able to meet your deepest needs. I hate to disappoint you, but there are needs within that only God can meet. And he desires to do that, the need to be loved unconditionally, to be known entirely, to be valued completely. Only God can meet those deepest needs. But what happens in season five and even in season six, we begin to have what's called the dark night of the soul. And that's when, because you've had so many experiences with God, those times when you're not experiencing his presence can feel very dark. But you have enough of this experience to, to persevere, to grow into this dwelling six and dwelling seven, which is what we're talking about today. Now, it's important to know that, that these are not like levels in a game of Mario Brothers, where at the end you get Princess Peach, right? This is not linear. This is not sequential. This is, this is a relationship. Sometimes you take two or three steps forward only to take three or four steps back. It's about a relationship, and it requires investment, just like any other relationship. And normally, on a Sunday morning, in churches across the globe, you don't necessarily hear messages like what we've talked about last week or what we're talking about today. And that's because most of us aren't there yet. But we want to talk about it to, to remind you that there is so much more than you could imagine. It's like watching the Super Bowl next Sunday, and you're trying to explain the nickel defense to someone who's just there to watch the commercials. But I want you to know, even if you're a good disciple, I want you to be grateful for where you've grown, but God is inviting you into something so much deeper, into something so much more. We can grow to be so in love with God that we experience great joy in our life. In other phases, we experience little glimpses of God's presence, but in this sixth dwelling, the level of intensity and passion of God's love for us can be overwhelming. 
So what's God doing in this season? Well, this sixth season is marked by deeper experiences of God's transforming love. God shows what it means to live fully in Christ. The book on which this series was inspired, Mansions of the Heart, written by Tom Ashbrook, he explains it like this. He says, at this point in our life, God alone gives us our identity, significance, security, and approval. And here's where things get really interesting. It's in the sixth dwelling that many people experience some supernatural things, which really are, are, are ways that God heals our hearts so that we can live more fully in the mystery of God. Teresa of Avila, who lived 500 years ago, experienced this kind of intimacy with God, and she was hesitant to even write about it. It was so different and so unique. You see, God is able to communicate beyond the limits of senses and language. But she writes about some of these experiences like, and they're referred to things like ecstasy, rapture, locutions, transport, and flight of the spirit. Okay, these sound crazy, but let's talk about a little bit what they mean. Ecstasy is this, this beautiful idea of experiencing intense joy similar to what we read Paul wrote earlier. Or or rapture means being so absorbed in the wonder of God that you completely become unaware of your surroundings. Jamie Schwartz, our restore pastor in South Austin, was telling us an experience she had at Peternalis. She was just connecting with God, just sitting there where the water and the rock meets, and she was just in solitude, enjoying her connection with God. And she doesn't even know how long she was there. All she knows is that when she opened her eyes, she looked up and buzzards were (laughs) flying around her. She's completely unaware of her surroundings. Listen to this. This is another miraculous one. Locution. It's this idea that there are some people who have actually heard an audible voice from God. Or transport refers to a sense of being somewhere else and experiencing that reality. It could be a visionary experience, or it could be a a physical one, like Philip experienced in Acts chapter 8, ending up in Samaria. Or flight of the Spirit refers to an experience of heavenly places, and we read some of those, like Paul and John had when they wrote to the church. Now, I have not experienced any of these, but I know people who have, and they can tell you that these experiences can be overwhelming. The presence of God can be overwhelming. And some of you are hearing this, and you're thinking, wow, I want that. But you should also know that sometimes God allows these miraculous moments to prepare us for the dry and dark nights of the soul. But it's also important to remember to have the right perspective. See, experiences with God are not the goal. The goal is more of God. The goal is actually to dive in deeper in this relationship with God. So you might have lots and lots of great experiences with your parents. Right? Maybe you have these vacations, or you remember playing catch with your dad, or cooking with your mom. You might have all sorts of sweet memories. But a relationship cannot survive on just memories and experiences. It requires investment. So even with our parents, if we're not investing in that relationship, our relationship will drift. And the same is true with friends. Same is true with our spouse. A relationship can only get as strong as we're willing to invest in that relationship. 
It's also important to remember that God is spirit. I think sometimes some of us think, you know, it'd be just easier to relate to God if he was actually like flesh and bone right now. I know Jesus is alive. I know the spirit of God is within, but, but I, I just wish I could touch him. I could feel him, could hear him. But it's important that we relate to God as he is. And I should tell you that relating to God as spirit is actually better than with any person on the planet. Because God can speak into our heart, into our soul, into our mind. See, God speaks when a, a, a scripture passage you memorized long ago comes right back to the forefront of your mind, right when you needed it. Or when you're spending time in the scriptures and, and you're troubled by something and then you read exactly what you need. Or it's a lyric from a song that you hear on the radio at the exact moment that you needed it. Or it's having a conversation with a friend and, and she answers a question that you've been having that never had the courage to ask. Or most of all, it happens in that still, small voice, that whisper in your heart, in your soul. Can you see God at work? Do you want to see him at work in your life? There's this great quote, Andrew Claven, a novelist turned screenwriter in Hollywood, found faith in his 50s, and he said this, if you believe, the evidence is all around you. If you don't believe, no evidence can be enough. Do you believe? Do you want to believe? If you find yourself struggling to have that kind of faith, to, to believe in God, to, to see what he's doing all around us, just start with a, a little prayer, something like this. God, help me with my unbelief. God, I want to see you at work. See, the problem is God is speaking all the time, and the issue is not him, it's us. We're too busy, too distracted. There's too much that we miss because we don't have eyes to see, but he wants us to see. He wants us to connect. So what can we do? Well, in this dwelling, it's about increasingly responding to God's initiatives. The need for our life to become less cluttered and to remove some of the business helps us be ready to respond to God's initiatives. Through these deep impressions of his love, God continues to call us to live as his beloved and we begin to de develop a hunger and thirst that can be painful because we want to be closer to him. The challenge is our will is continuously absorbed in God in this season of our life, but our imagination and our memory are not. They can still roam and have yet to be brought into full unity with God. And in the season, we can see more clearly our own sinful nature, and that can be overwhelming, even as we see the brokenness within us ever so clearly. But it's in suffering through that that helps us enter the seventh dwelling. But what does evil do during this sixth dwelling? Well, spiritual warfare, the enemy makes us feel guilty for these dark nights of the soul, makes us feel like we must have done something wrong, that God is absent. Or the darkness might try to bring about counterfeit experiences to lead us astray. Or we might find ourselves feeling elitist. But at some point, as we persevere, we step into the seventh dwelling, which is 
referred to as one love forever. Teresa of Avila writes about this mystery and wonder of union with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This season represents the ultimate degree of intimacy with God that one can experience in this life. And it's true with all the other seasons. This is not a milestone or a destination. It's still part of the journey. But it's in this season that we have complete integration of body, mind, and spirit in the life of Christ. We realize what Paul said when he wrote, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. See, our relationship with God becomes a fulfillment of Jesus' prayer for us. Did you know that Jesus prayed for us? In John 17, he's praying for those who are following him in that moment, but he also prays for all of us who were to believe in the future. Listen to what he prays. Of all the things he could pray for you and me, listen to what he prays for us. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. See, spiritual maturity means we live together in oneness, and it's so different than what the world experiences that they want what they see in us. What's God doing in this season? He allows these dark nights to purge us from everything that might stand between us and complete union so that by the time we reach the seventh dwelling, we live in an ongoing, deepening relationship of unique union with God. We're always aware that he is within us. So what can we do? Well, there are fewer highs and lows in the season. We live continuously and transcendently in the present moment in the fullness of Christ's love. And we're totally free to follow Jesus into the lives of others. Continued growth requires virtually no effort as we're just responding to the Holy Spirit. We're just learning to do what we see the Father doing. In this season, it's complete integration between worship and work, adoration and service, being and doing. We have this inner stability and security in this season. We still live in a fallen world with its struggles and rebellion, and we see more clearly and are grieved by them more deeply. But this new and deeper union with God does not protect us from the pain of the world, but launches us into the pain of the world to bring light and love and peace. We trust at a new level. In fact, it's in this season that we just are able to spend time with God in like a a trusting silence. We don't see the visions we experienced in the sixth dwelling. Instead, we live in them. All of life becomes a response to Jesus' initiatives. It's about an ongoing obedience to Jesus. In fact, we learn to love Jesus and others because loving God and loving others is interconnected and integrated. And even as we grow closer to God, we realize how much further away he still is. Now, on the day I was going to write this message just a couple weeks ago, I had a lot to do and I had much planned, but I still felt this prompting to join in with our daily prayer time. It's called Upper Zoom. You get it? Upper Zoom, right? And you can join it. You don't, you're not asked to do anything. You can just listen to uh, others praying. And so I, I joined in, and as I was listening in and praying along, Tara Browder, our 
prayer director shared a passage from Song of Solomon. It was exactly what I needed for later that day when writing this. In fact, it's from the same book in the Bible that this chapter in Mansions of the Heart is based on. I was so amazed because it really was just so helpful. But I need to give you a little bit of a warning about Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon is a love poem between newlyweds. And so why would it be in the Bible? Well, first of all, God created marriage, and the intimacy that happens in marriage is a a small glimpse of the connection that we can have with God, of being fully known and unashamed, unconditionally loved. It's also an analogy between our relationship with God. He is the groom, and we are the bride. So listen, from Song of Solomon 5, the bride writes, Or says, I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen, my beloved is knocking. My heart began to pound for him. I rose to open for my beloved. And I opened the door, but my beloved had left. He was gone. My heart sank at his departure. I looked for him, but did not find him. I called him, but he did not answer. The watchmen found me as they made their rounds in the city. The passage goes on to describe they aggressively confronted her and asked, How is your beloved better than others? She then describes all the traits of her beloved and ends with this. He is altogether lovely. This is my beloved. This is my friend. Their response is a complete 180 degree turn. Instead of resisting her and opposing her, now they ask, where is your beloved gone? Most beautiful of women, which way did your beloved turn that we may look for him with you? She then refers her relationship with him as the following. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. You and I can have a kind of relationship with God where he is altogether lovely. He is your beloved, and you are his. A friendship. I I wonder if you caught the just remarkable turn of events that as you go closer to God, those around you, as you describe him to them, will want what you have, just as we saw in this passage. See, God wants a relationship with us because he can offer us what no person on this planet could, unconditional love. And now it may feel so far off and so hard to achieve, but I'm telling you, pursuing God is worth it. As we move forward, we need to Make sure we don't lose sight of the end because God wanting to show his love to us so that through us his love could flow into our family, among our coworkers, our neighbors, the world around us. Well, what does evil do? Well, the, we are more fully aware and fully equipped for the attacks from the enemy. But even still, if we're not careful, pride could become a temptation. You know, I want to tell a story that I think will encourage you no matter where you may be in your spiritual journey. In the fall of 2015, we were building out the building at Gateway in South Austin, and we had this time together where we prayed, and we wrote on the wall the names of friends that we hoped would one day find faith in that room. And my daughter, who was 13 at the time, of all the people she wrote, she also wrote Chloe and her family. Well, we stayed close with Chloe and her family over the years. In fact, in the spring of 2019, Chloe's mom, Sunshine, texted me. Now, Sunshine had been dabbling in Buddhism and crystals and goddesses, and none of those was really helping her. She knew there was something more, and so she texted me and asked, I'm on a spiritual journey, and and I'm on a search. 
is Gateway a safe place that I could come and search without being judged? I said, it would be the perfect place for you to come. And she started to come every single week, week after week. And eventually she discovered the God who loved her. And his name is Jesus. And she got baptized. There's a picture of us. I'm the one, uh, she's the one standing right next to me. Isn't that great? Along with several others. But here's why I tell that story. Last time I was here on this stage, I got a little emotional talking about how God has helped us through this very difficult year. And she sent me the most beautiful text. Listen to what she sent. Sunshine writes, I meant to tell you a thought that came into my head when I heard you talk about your connection with God on Sunday. There are things that I will probably not accomplish in my lifetime, like a higher education, lots of financial wealth, or lots of materialistic things, and I'm okay with that. When I saw how emotional you got about your connection, it made me realize that I can have that relationship too. There isn't a hierarchy with Jesus. He is there for all of us no matter what. We can all have that connection with him and feel his love for us. I know it's probably common sense, but I never thought of it that way. I know he will be there for me. See, Sunshine is absolutely right. God is there for you. And there is no hierarchy in the kingdom of Jesus. You and I are invited to know him intimately and completely that his love might so flow through us that our family, our neighbors, our coworkers, our world is made better because the light and love of heaven comes through us. Do you want to know him? Do you want to know him more? This is an opportunity for us to get rid of distractions, to surrender the things that are getting in the way. All of us have at least one thing to surrender. Some of us, many things that we could surrender. And I want to invite you to try an ancient practice. We've been introducing some of these throughout this series. And I want to say that this is something that, that we do every single week, although the, I don't know if you take advantage of it fully. It's connecting with God through worship and song. In fact, it's something that you can do on your own during the week. We've even created a Spotify playlist so you can sing along with some of the songs that we sing on Sundays. We even have bonus worship nights like this Friday night in South Austin and a week from this Friday here in North Austin. You can sign up for that at gatewaychurch.com slash seek first. But let me just share with you what to do when the music is going. A couple things. You could... Use it as a chance to let the song be sung over you and while they're singing, pray to God. Or, or you can actually sing the lyrics as your prayer to God. Or it could be that you just allow the words to soak into your heart and let it be a prayer that God's hope for you takes place. And so I want to invite you here in a moment, after I pray, the, the band is going to sing a song over us. And I want you to just allow these words to sink in. May, and may it become your prayer in your heart that this would be true of what you build your life on. And at some point during the song, they're going to invite you to sing along with them. Sing out as your prayer. Allow God to take you deeper. He's inviting each and every one of us to do that. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, in this moment, we just acknowledge that we're all in different places, God. But we all need you to take us further to become who you've created us to be. 
God, give us the courage to take whatever next step you put in our hearts, to surrender whatever it is that you put on our hearts. And God, some of us come with heavy hearts. We've lost so much in this last year. We've lost jobs, we've lost incomes, we've lost relationships, we've even lost family members. God, some of us are, have a heavy heart from the tragedy that took place this week. Some of us were deeply affected because we knew Dr. Lindley Dotson. God, be with those who are grieving, be with those who are there in the midst of this tragic situation, God. And God, I just want to pray for something big, something bold. I just pray for an end to this pandemic. God, I pray for an end to racism and division. God, we ask that your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So God, now speak to us as we share our hearts with you. In Jesus' name, amen.